everyone, and welcome to yet another edition of Bavarian Podcast Works. In what should be a really entertaining episode filled with a little bit ranting, as you can expect, here's Samrin with you, and here is I Need No Name. So, without even really getting into things too much, let's start with Julian Nagelsmann. He came in and there was a lot of there were a lot of clubs chasing him down. Obviously, Bayern is the one who got him and his team seemed flawless for a while. But recently, things haven't looked as great. So in let me start with you. What is your opinion on what's been going on in the past few weeks, especially against Dortmund and Bielefeld? And we can throw in Dynamo Kiev in there. And do you think the honeymoon period is over for Nagelsmann? Okay, so Nagelsmann right now, he's going full Ancelotti at the moment. So <laughs> yes, yeah, it's it's really, it's really bad. First of all, he has this weird back three formation that he seems to be very, very stuck to. I don't know why. And mm-hmm. second, it feels like he is not, how should I say, he's not getting the balance right in any way, shape, or form. It started with the Augsburg game, which we lost. And then since then, we have had three games in a row, which we've just barely managed to win. And mm-hmm. all three games, they were all like very different types of games. Like first we had Dinamo Kiev game where it was mostly like a rotation game. The other one was Armenia Bielefeld, which was an, it should have been an easy game, but instead we made really, really difficult mm-hmm. work out of it. And finally we had Dortmund where, wow, we just went one nil down really early, but then Lewandowski mm-hmm. got one back and then, we went 2-1 up, suddenly it's 2-2, and then we just barely managed to win 3-2 because some very controversial penalty calls. And I just have to say that this is not good enough. And I've gotten a lot of criticism on the blog for saying that this is not good enough and we were much better on the flick. But, like, we were on better on the flick, weren't we? Yeah. Like, you expect a lot more from Nagelsmann, especially with the team that he has. I mean, people are saying, okay, Goretzka's out or... Kimmich is out, that's why. But like, is that the exact reason that we're not performing well? Because I don't see it. Like, I see more than that. I see structural problems in the attack, in the defense, in the midfield. Mm -hmm. Like, it's just a mess from top to bottom. And I don't know how this has happened in the Nagelsmann. It's almost like the early season games where we were winning. It's like those were the ones where we still had Flick's influence. And now Mm -hmm. that the Flick influence is wearing off, things are getting much, much worse. And case in point, I would say that we have praised Nagelsmann so much for Leroy Sané and Alfonso Davies looking so much better than they did last season. But recent games, neither of those two have looked particularly good. Yeah, yeah. So everything's starting to fall apart a little bit. So Mm -hmm. you you tell me, Samrin, am I being too harsh? I don't know. So... I'm normally, and I've done this for years, I'm the first Bayern fan to come out and always be like, no, we won, it's fine. Players are allowed to have a bad game. We move on. But none of the arguments that have been made in favor of this has worked, in my opinion. So I've heard a mix of opinions on this, including, oh, we got new players who are adjusting. We got rid of Boateng and Alaba. So the team has adjustment issues. Okay, if the team had adjustment issues, they would have showed up at the beginning of the season. They didn't. That's the first one. The second one that I've heard is, um, what is it? Is that um, Sabitzer not adjusting has been a problem or Tiago's been gone. Tiago's been gone more than a season. now. This is not exactly. a new issue. So I've heard a mix of... Um, 
if some of our players defended more. No, I think all of our players do a fair amount of defending. None of the arguments make sense to me because listen, we've we've compensated for big players leaving before. And Boateng, I feel like had to go. Like maybe it came a season too early, but I think Boateng's personal life, along with him just slowing down a little bit. Look at what's happened with Matt's Hummels. He has literally fallen off a cliff this season. And yeah. we would have risked the same by keeping Boateng around. That's the first thing. Alaba may be performing at Real Madrid, but he he did not, his last two years at Bayern, there were some exceptional games and then there were some really, really poor. So to me, none of those arguments make sense. The hybrid back three, four, whatever you want to call it, why change something if it isn't broke? I don't, I don't understand this. And there is, Chuck points this out from time to time. I think you do as well. There is an issue of overcrowding in the box. And I would rather let Davies defend because prime, his first job is to defend and his second job, build up the attack. And I feel like this running back and forth, being in this hybrid back three, four is causing a few problems, not just for him, but also for the midfield. So, yeah, that's my two cents. Yeah. Uh, on the Davies point, I'd like to just point out that people do. I mean, they have praised Nagelsmann for how he's used Davies, but I think it's going way too far in one direction. Like, we know that Davies is a great offensive fullback, but that's not all he is. I mean, he's a great defensive fullback as well. I mean, who else is available that can chase down attackers, counterattacking players like Davies can? And I think Nagelsmann has gone way too far into Davies' offensive skill set. I've forgotten that Davies can also be used as a get-out-of-jail-free card in defense. So Flick yeah. used both sides of him. I mean, Flick had him positioned so that he could both support the attack and also get mm-hmm. back and support the defense. And yesterday against Dortmund, I think we saw the very clear problem with Nagelsmann's use of Davies that he cannot support the defense when he's getting so far up in attack. And it's happened against... Dortmund, it's happening against Kiev as well, where we, the one goal we conceded is because Davies simply, even as fast as he is, he simply cannot get back fast enough to yeah. support the defense if he's all the way up where Sane is supposed to be while Sane goes into midfield. And yeah. it's well, like, that- it's almost it's almost like a conveyor belt of issues because when Davies goes up, Lucas moves slightly wide to the left to cover mm-hmm. the space left behind. That means that Upamecano, he moves to the center mm-hmm. instead of slightly to the right. And that means Pavard, who should be the right back, he moves to the right center back spot. Mm-hmm. That makes the entire formation shift like one space over. So think about yeah. it. So Sane, he should be left wing. Instead, he goes to the attacking midfield position. Yeah. So Gnabry or Coman, whoever plays right wing, they instead move to the right wing back position. And here's the crux of the matter that the fact that Thomas Muller, instead of being attacking midfield, now that Sane is in that position, he has to move all the way into the right wing position. And mm-hmm. that just throws everything out of balance. Like yeah. Flick had such a great thing going. And now like we have blamed Sane's new role on certain things about Thomas Muller not being as effective as he used to be. And let me get this straight. Thomas Muller is still getting assists galore. Like, he has the yeah. most assists of any player this season, and he is on en route to break the most assists for any player in the calendar year. He's already done the most assists for any player in the top five leagues in the calendar mm-hmm. year. But Thomas Muller, he may be doing that, but that's because he's just such a good player. He is the one being made to accommodate in the system. And 
that is always a worry. When you are making Thomas Muller accommodate, he will accommodate. He won't say anything about it and he will keep performing. But it's up to the coach to recognize that you should not be making the Thomas Muller as a player. You should not be making him accommodate. You should be making the rest of the team accommodate him. Mm-hmm. Once you do that, the rest of the team looks better as well. And I think Nagelsmann is just getting way too many things, way too many basic things wrong at the moment. Mm-hmm. Only Sane, you can say that he's doing better, but even Sane, he's being overplayed. And this is another one of those mm-hmm. criticisms of Nagelsmann. Yeah. He's overplaying some of these players for no good reason. Like mm-hmm. Pavard, why is he playing so much when you have Stanisic and Sula? Mm-hmm. Stanisic may be injured right at this very moment, but there were so many games where he could have started. The same thing goes for Muziala. Where the hell is Muziala? Where yeah, does he play? And whenever yeah. he subs on Muziala, it's not on the wing anymore. Like yeah. I, I don't understand that either. It's, like yeah, it's it, whenever he gets subbed on, it's always in an attacking midfield or in a four-one-four-one style formation. And I, I just like it, it doesn't make any sense to me. I, like it's clear that he's trying to show Muziala something. Maybe he's trying to train him to do something specific. But come on, man. Like, let Muziala play left wing for a little bit with Davies on that side. And just let mm-hmm. the fireworks happen. It's not that complicated. And Nalsman has it's been trying really to go... It's really not. Yeah, he's and Nalsman is just... It. Yeah, he's overthinking. It's like some of the things that Pep used to do. Pep never... Yeah. Never screwed things up this badly in my opinion like Pep did go with some something weird from time to time but he never stuck with it he always went back to the normal stuff very quickly and Nagelsmann I think he's pulled a fast one on this because he started off the season with pretty much flicks (laughs) yeah he just started off the season copying flicks tactics made us very comfortable with him and then he just subtly changed everything and now it's like oh my god everything is different and the people who see they know but the people who don't see, they think we are still playing the same way. And they're like, okay, then it must be the players' fault. They're not, they're just not working hard enough. No, so it's, no. it's very, it's very insidious in that way. And I, I I dislike it so much. I first of all, it's it's very difficult for us to get back into games when our attack is so so stunted. Like mm-hmm. it sometimes feels like we're really just rolling along on individual quality, especially against Dortmund. I mean, wow. Yeah. I think one thing that really gets under my skin with this is that at least under Flick, even when we were really fatigued, the attack was working. So if one side doesn't work and the other does, okay, we can roll with that. But now, for whatever reason, neither is working particularly well. Yeah, we're scoring a lot of goals, which is why statistically it's hard for me to say, okay, like... Okay, the attack isn't working, but when you see it, you can you can almost instinctually think, feel like something is missing. And I don't think all of us see it the same way, but I feel like a majority of supporters see it. And with Nagelsmann, I just don't know why he did it. Everything was fine. And in recent weeks, results haven't been great. It started with getting rolled over by Gladbach, but it actually started before that. It started in the Deutsche Furt game where we won 3-1, but let's face it. Should have done better in that game, especially look at what Leverkusen did to Fortis. So there you go. Yeah. yeah. We have had some weird games against very, very poor opposition this season. Like Frankfurt, yeah. Frankfurt Augsburg. Don't forget Augsburg. Augsburg. My goodness. Mm-hmm. That was wow. the big one, I think. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, like, say what you will about Flick's shortcomings. Like, he didn't have these games this often. And Nagelsmann yeah. is much luckier than Flick. Like, he has 
Upa Makano and a fit Lucas Hernandez. Like, yeah, I mean, to be fair to Flick, he preferred Alaba and Boateng anyway. But mm-hmm. Nagelsmann has all these guys, and he's not really. He hasn't got the system right. Like, it, it just feels very hard to say because statistically, we're doing better yeah. than we were last season. But something mm-hmm. is missing. Something very important is missing. And it, the team is just not passing the eye test at the moment. Like, no. you tell me, how, how are we supposed to beat Liverpool like this? And I, I I know that people keep making the point that it's it's all three points. It's important to get that. But mm. and and like it's yeah. we don't play the later half of the Champions League until March. And that's when it, everything is important. But like these are the trends that we need to address right now. Mm-hmm. If you're playing like this right now, it's you're not magically gonna get better when March rolls around. It's not like we're mm-hmm. just half-assing it. It's like we're literally this is the best we could do and the, like we never really took game easy even mm-hmm. i remember i have a tweet saved from the time we mm-hmm. faced atletico madrid in last year's <laughs> right. uh, last year's this champions league yeah. group stage where yeah. we had already qualified and we just sent out a random team of youngsters and bonusar yeah. so we sent that out <laughs> and we still almost steamrolled them like it was a one all draw but we had that game completely under control. And you tell me right now, Nagelsmann could never get a game like that, even with his first team at the moment. Yeah. On the yeah, Thomas really issue. Difficult. Yeah. We, he really needs to figure that one out because I, I don't know. I almost feel like Nagelsmann keeps Thomas Muller in the team. Not that he doesn't believe in Muller or anything, but that he almost keeps him in the team because he knows it will become a political issue and his coaching career will go down the drain at Bayern if he does not put Thomas Muller. Yeah, so, he, yeah, it is like a sense yeah. of obligation about it, isn't it? Like, Yeah, he, he, exactly. He, if, if he had the choice, he'd be doing something completely different. Mm-hmm. And you can kind of see it with his usage of Muziala because Muziala is kind of a mini Muller and he doesn't get any minutes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I don't think he prefers players like that in his system altogether. I don't know what he prefers, but Jesus. it doesn't it doesn't seem like it to me. And the team should flow around Muller. That's yeah. been the case all these years. Like at the end of the day, Muller is the linchpin of that team. And when he's not sort of building the team around Muller, he's going to run into problems. And that's exactly what's going to happen. Muller has been, despite these changes, one of the most effective players by and far on the team. Today, yeah. Muller was extremely effective. Dynamo Kiev, whatever, whichever game you point to, Muller was extremely effective. And that's despite, not because of the choices Nagelsmann has made. And this one is really puzzling to me. Sané can, Sané will do fine on the wing. Sané was brought in primarily as a winger. P- playing Sané centrally does not make him a better player or anything like that. It's worked. Yes, it can be an option. Yes, but Sané will also flourish on the wing. So I don't know what is the, that one really gets under my skin. I don't know what's going on with that. It's just it just feels like a weird set of priorities because I get it. Sané, if you move him slightly centrally, you give more space for Davies to move up to and then everything mm-hmm. else like that. But like it's like you go into a room and just rearrange the furniture. It's not like you're doing anything to the decor. It's a very pointless change, basically. It's not Mm -hmm. like we were struggling to score under Hansi Flick. We had the best attack in Europe under Hansi Flick. We had the best attack in Europe under Nagelsmann. He he seems to be fixing problems that aren't there. While the real problem, which is our defense, is still bad. (laughs) That's what he was brought in to fix. Exactly. still bad. And and the other thing is that he was brought in to... 
give youngsters a chance, they're not getting and, any chances. Yeah, exactly. They ran away on the bench. Hell, Flake was trying to protect Muziala and gave Muziala more minutes than Nagelsmann. It's yeah. it's really crazy. I just I almost fear for Muziala because between we've had this co- comparison between Virts and Muziala multiple times, but Virts is allowed to flourish. I'm not saying Muziala should play as much as Virts does because Liverpool and Bayern are obviously very different types of clubs. But my God, like yeah, some games, like I don't know, Bielefeld, he should be getting a start. Like, come on, I don't, I don't I don't understand what's going on over there. Yeah, it's and the weirdest thing is that whenever Nagelsmann needs the goal, he's immediately subs on Muziala. Like he clearly knows how much of yeah. an impact Muziala has. It's not like he doesn't know, but yeah, he, he, he's keeping him as a bench option and then as a super sub. I don't get it. In yeah. my opinion, your best player should be playing. They shouldn't yeah. be on the bench as some kind of weird reverse three sixty super duper mm-hmm. joker substitution. I don't know. Yeah, he shouldn't that's be what doing Chupo's that. For not Muziala. Yeah, Come exactly. On. So. Yeah. Okay, so that's all our criticisms of Nagelsmann for today. <laughs> for today. We will, be, we, will, we will return next week with the criticisms of Nagelsmann 2.0, where we yeah. talk about everything else, like mm-hmm. his fashion sense. So, <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. So we need to move on to our next topic, which is the ghost games coming back to Germany, especially Bavaria, yeah. where, oh man, it's going to be completely empty stadiums okay. for the foreseeable mm-hmm. future. And according mm-hmm. to Herbert Heiner, it's very tough for Bayern because it is apparently 3.5 million euros in lost revenue oh, every single gosh. game that is closed to the public. Yeah. And I have some very strong opinions about this. Okay, so mm-hmm. Samrin, just bear with me for a moment. Yeah, yeah, go ahead. I think this is another example of politicians just ruining things for the for normal people because under the rules... The only people who are allowed to attend games in Germany are people who are double vaccinated and who have also produced a negative test, a recent negative test. Now, I have to tell you something, okay? I'm not an epidemiologist, but as far as my understanding goes, if you have both jabs and you also have a negative test and you're also wearing a mask and you're in an open air (laughs) venue like the Allianz (laughs) Arena, the chances of you spreading COVID is next to nothing and i do not understand why Mm -hmm. people who have taken every single precaution under the sun why they should not be allowed to attend games okay and this is in the midst Mm -hmm. of the fact that while these restrictions are all in place stuff like bars and restaurants they were open even to unvaccinated people just just for no reason and in my opinion you are Basically, what these Bavarian and German politicians in general are doing is that they want this empty stadium on TV as a message to show how careful they're being. And it reminds me a little bit of how France decided to cancel League One early in the pandemic to show, oh my God, we're so concerned about the pandemic without actually mm-hmm. doing anything about the pandemic because that that means it's a difficult political decision. Instead, they just have football take the brunt of this and make it the easy punching bag. And mm-hmm. it just doesn't make any sense to me. Okay, I do not think that this is a scientifically sound decision. Okay, mm-hmm. and I'm so angry about this. Okay, we have Germany, the Bundesliga having to be played behind closed doors, no atmosphere at the games, no nothing. And all the clubs will be losing massive amounts of revenue for this. Meanwhile, yeah. in England, who literally do not need it, they have 
full stadiums, massive yeah. crowds. It's just like, what are they doing? Like, what is the point of all this? I mean, I've even heard reports that the Bundesliga could be postponed again, like canceled oh, like last time. And I'm like thinking, what the hell are you talking about? The Bundesliga was the first league to come back. Come and back. and they too. literally, yeah, and they literally paved the way for every other sporting league to come back. You remember when the Bundesliga came back? That, that was such a watershed moment last season, mm-hmm. last year, actually, last year. And everyone was looking at Germany and saying, wow, Germans really have a handle on this pandemic. But now that mm-hmm. the case numbers are rising, it's like, you just really wonder if the Germans had any handle on the thing to begin with. Vaccination mm-hmm. rates in Germany are so low for a first world country. Like, look, look, mm-hmm. in India, vaccination, our vaccination rates are low, but that's because we don't really have much of the vaccine. In Germany, you can get vaccinated whenever you want, but people are still not getting vaccinated. And I put that down to political problems. Like, if you're not mandating vaccines, and I know that Germany has a problem with vaccine mandates, but if you're not really mandating vaccines, that's a public health issue. Mm-hmm. And that's a bigger public health issue than having 75,000 people at the Allianz who have all taken all of their precautions. And it's also, it's an example of people who have been responsible, decided to get the vaccine, keep their masks on, and get negative tests. These people are the ones suffering. They are getting their tickets canceled. They are not able to go out on Christmas yeah, because the politicians are so, so irresponsible. And some people, because of the vaccine issue and because the issue with the virus has been so politicized, they will be tempted to say, okay, fine, let's just be as safe as possible. But being as safe as possible often results in more harm. In this case, I would say economic harm than it would otherwise. So, Sam, can you tell me, like, am I going a little bit overboard or are you annoyed as I am? Not annoyed about restricting the number of fans. I think they should go ahead and do that. But I am annoyed by ghost games. I don't think we need it. And on top of what you were saying about bars and restaurants being open and the people who are suffering the most are the ones who are vaccinated. I just... I feel like there's a social contract between the people and the government here where it's kind of like, okay, you told us to take the vaccine. You told us to mask up and protect ourselves the best we can. We did everything you asked for, and we still can't live our lives because you told us that we can live our lives if we do A, B, and C. So that's sort of what's like another thing that really, really bothers me because the fans who are coming to the games have done their best to stay safe, to be protected so they can enjoy these things. I tell you, I watched Leverkusen Leipzig and yes, Jesse Marsh's Leipzig have been pretty bad this season, but I also thought they were particularly bad in that game because of the lack of fans. It was so eerie. Bundesliga doesn't use fake crowd noise, which I really, really do like and appreciate, but it was just so weird. Like you could hear a pin drop on that ground and Leverkusen ran away with it because there was no, not that Leipzig, you know, fans, Leipzig, Plastic Club, yada, yada. But you didn't, you could feel that the lack of atmosphere did not help Leipzig at all. Aside from that, the Bundesliga economically is different from any of the other top five. And no one knows this better than the German government. So why harm the Bundesliga to make a statement? Reduce capacity, sure, do it. But let there be some atmosphere. There were like 3,000 Union fans at Union's game. There was a great atmosphere. I think there was like 15,000 today at Borussia Dortmund, if I'm not wrong, in the in what a stadium that supports 80,000. I'm fine with that, but I'm not okay with completely ghost games. I don't. I just don't think it's necessary. Yeah, I think there was actually an article on DW about this where you made the point that why harm the Bundesliga? 
Mm-hmm. It seems that the Bundesliga is just a little bit of a favorite punching bag for politicians yeah. in Germany for mm-hmm. people to show to show that they are being concerned about the pandemic. And mm-hmm. it goes back to the showmanship I said earlier, because mm-hmm. the politicians need to be shown to be doing something. OK, and there's a basic syllogism in politics where you need to do something. This is something. Mm-hmm. Therefore, you need to do it. It's doesn't matter how bad the decision might be. It doesn't matter what the consequences are. You just do it and deal with the consequences later. And I doubt any of these politicians will have to deal with the consequences because in the end, these clubs probably won't go bankrupt, okay? They will probably survive. But the long-term consequences to the league will be horrendous for their chances in Europe, their chances in the transfer market, everything is, and the league's marketability because one of our most marketable aspects of the Bundesliga is the fact that it has amazing crowds and mm-hmm. that is that has basically not been on show for the last two seasons. So mm-hmm. at this point, like even given how terribly the Bundesliga is performing in Europe right now, yeah, I don't, yeah, I don't even know. I don't even know what to say. I mean, it just feels like so many things are going wrong at the same time for the Bundesliga, and it it, mm-hmm. it just it's very depressing to look at. I don't want to see these ghost games happen, but. Uh, what can you yeah. what can you say at this point? It, it it doesn't seem like it's gonna go away anytime soon. And well, I just have to say, I just have to say, congratulations to Germany, honestly, because they had such a great handle on the pandemic in the beginning, and now they are completely dropping the ball. Wow! Right. Congratulations, Germany! Wow! Just wow! Although I don't think the clubs are completely powerless, I really do think if they get a collective together, they can say something about this. Like Union's president had some not very nice words to say to Berlin politicians about the ghost games. Like, I feel like if clubs come together, because the Bundesliga is woven into the social fabric of Germany in a way that's different from other leagues in other countries. So I think with enough enough voices, they could do something where it's limited capacity, but it's not ghost games. And I think they kind of have to. I don't, I don't necessarily believe that Bundesliga clubs will be saved from bankruptcy. I don't. Last season, I, I, don't, I don't know how much you remember, but in the initial phase of, COVID, we were really talking about the possibility of clubs ceasing to exist because of this. Yeah, we were. Clubs. So yeah, there but, is a chance that. Yeah, I could, think like, the yeah. problem with like Bundesliga clubs banding together and mm-hmm. doing this is the perception that it is another example of the Bundesliga just being right. greedy, putting mm-hmm. their, their own interests ahead of uh, what the country needs, etc., etc. Mm-hmm. Because yeah. listen, whenever a non political body tries to get into a political war with politicians yeah, it doesn't end well one. okay because yeah. the politicians they they are masters of spin this is literally their yes. job okay yeah. so they will they will turn the public against the Bundesliga clubs very quickly and that's why other than maybe even Heiner he's just stepping around the issue very delicately mm-hmm. he's not saying anything and maybe if it was early Hannes he would have said something but even early mm-hmm. hasn't said anything yet it's just a very problematic issue. The politicians need to show that they're doing something and this is something. So I keep saying that, but it's just the crux right. of the problem right now. They're also going to be shutting down stuff like bars and uh, other uh, restaurants and stuff for unvaccinated people. But my question is, if uh, if that's the restriction on those games, mm-hmm. on those venues, I mean, why the hell can't vaccinated people go to games if they can go literally everywhere else in Germany, but not to games? Mm-hmm. How, how does that make any 
modicum of sense where in the science yeah. does it does it say that okay it just it's, yeah. it's just it's just so stupid and even I, common sense you know congregating not, not, in a closed yeah. space versus an open space. yeah in fact i would I, I would argue that they should they should close down these restaurants so that people are forced to go to games where they will be in an open space and mm. they have far fewer chances of getting the virus yeah yeah I totally agree. And it is really going to kill the atmosphere of the Bundesliga. It really yeah. is. Very especially, when, especially when every other league has fans. Exactly. The Bundesliga is the only one that doesn't. I'm telling you, like, it was so weird watching Leverkusen Leipzig. It was just like, it was a yeah. sense of impending doom. It's almost like a reminder to people like, hello, do you remember where we were a year and a half ago or two years ago? This is what happened. And it's a very scary reminder of it. Yeah, that's the problem, isn't it? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay, so, Samran, we are almost out of time today. So let's talk about Mm -hmm. our final topic, which is a very, very annoying topic. We don't even have to say much on it because... Yeah. Let's talk about Robert Lewandowski being robbed of the Ballon d'Or once again. Uh, Yeah. Um, My really quick two cents on this. Down the years, I've seen this happen so many times that it wasn't even that surprising, especially when we heard that they had created another cardboard award to hand out. You can say more on that if you want. But um, I thought yeah, the pizza award. Yes, the pizza award. I thought in 2010, I was convinced Wesley Schneider had been robbed. In 2012, there were better choices. Unfortunately, it's a name I don't want to take, but there were better choices. In 2013, we know there were better choices. In 2014, there were better choices. But this was the most open daylight robbery if there ever was one, because it was just, I don't know, there was just no way to get around the issue this year. I, like ESPN, which is extremely biased against Bayern and the Bundesliga, like 90% of their journalists were even like, oh, come on, are you like serious? Are you actually really going to give it to Messi for winning whatever one international tournament? And here's Lewandowski carrying Poland. I don't, you know what? I have never even really loved Lewandowski that much to the last couple of years. And I'm, I, I'm baffled and I'm annoyed. And I'm like, why is this even an award when like fanboy journalists are voting on? Okay, I should not go there, but I'm just like, I'm really tight. Anyway, and before I lose it, let's hear your opinion on this. Basically, I'm very, very annoyed. Like, you know that. And I mm-hmm. think Muller hit the nail on the head. He said that mm-hmm. it seems that these international tournaments are where everyone watches Bayern. It seems that building the Bundesliga and achievements in the Bundesliga are just not good enough. And therefore, yeah. we need to show our best foot forward on these international tournaments, this international stage, and make sure mm-hmm. that people take notice of us because they're not going to give us what we deserve. So we need to take it. That's that's basically just it. I, and I, once again, Thomas Muller is the guy who has to say what we need to hear. So yeah. I hope that Muller gets this into the team's heads that we cannot afford any kind of slip-ups on the international stage, no matter how many Augsburgs or Bielefelds we have to lose to, do not lose to Barcelona this midweek. Do not mm-hmm. lose to PSG. Do not lose to Man City. Do not lose to those teams. Do whatever you have to do, but do not lose to them. So mm-hmm. that's basically my opinion. Like, if Lewandowski had played against PSG, we might have won the Champions League, and he yeah. would have definitely had the Ballon d'Or this season. Like, there's yeah. no way a Copa America would win Messi that no matter how much the PR machine would change. So yeah. that's basically it. I, I just can't, I don't know what else to say. 
I just feel really, really bad for Lewandowski. It seems like what he did last season, over the last two seasons, and yeah. this season, including, is it's just completely. It's not even human. Like it's not. I I honestly just look at his records and I'm like, no way. This even when he scored today, I was like, no way. No way. Yeah, he's just, just he just scores out of nowhere. He's like a robot. Like it's insane. Yeah, exactly. Like, his performance levels are insane. I just, I really, I honestly yeah. think he should go down in history as the best striker who ever lived. I know, I know Van Basten. I know like people who watch Van Basten. Like, who? Uh, you know are you forgetting? Are you forgetting? Are you forgetting? Dear Bomber. Oh my God. I mean, okay. I bring a Van Basten because he came after Der Bomber. And Der Bomber does not get anywhere near as much credit as he should. Could be a so, Bayern fan, Simon. Okay, I know, but here's the point. Lewandowski broke Gerrit Müller's record. I still think Gerrit Müller is the greatest striker who ever lived, but I think Lewandowski makes a fair argument to be considered. Yeah, Lewandowski is definitely getting up there right now. The thing is that yeah. Lewandowski keeps getting better every year, so let's just keep let's keep an eye on him, okay? It's it's crazy because people are like, oh, Ronaldo's 36 and he's doing great, but Lewandowski is what 34. Yeah, or thirty-five, I think. His age. He's not thirty-five. He's not thirty-five. Come on. He's not thirty-five. I mean, you know, Lewandowski could be fifty and he'd be performing at insane levels. That's how the man is. Oh, yeah. he has Molo next to him. <laughs> That's very important, indeed. Yeah. Lewandowski's thirty-three. Thirty-three. Yeah. Did he turn thirty-three during the pandemic year? Oh no, he went from thirty to thirty-two. That was the ongoing joke. Never mind. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Fair enough. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So. That's all for today. So, Samrin, do you want to do an outro? All right. Okay. So that's it from In and Me on yet another rant-filled episode of Bavarian Podcast Works. As always, thank you for your support and let us know what you think. Please do. We don't mind it. We don't even mind the hate. Be sure to stay tuned to Bavarian Podcast Works for all of your up-to-date coverage on Bayern Munich in Germany. Follow us on Twitter at Bavarian FB Works, at Jefferson Fenner, at The Barrel Blog, at Tommy Adam 71 at BFWN, and more. If I'm missing anybody, I'm sorry. Thank you for listening. In any final thoughts? Nope. All right, guys. Have a good night. Good night.